and welcome to the Health Nuts podcast with certified holistic nutrition consultants Mary Vance and Caitlin Weeks. Our goal is to dispel mainstream nutrition myths and bring you the best in holistic health and real food education. Hey, Caitlin, are you there? Hi, Mary. How are you doing? Doing well. Enjoying an afternoon cup of Tulsi tea and excited about our show today because it's a topic I get a lot of questions about. So how about you? What's up? Nothing much. Just, you know, working from home. (laughs) Well, that's good. And just as a teaser for everyone, today's show is going to be all about carbs. And while that might not sound very exciting, believe me, it's a topic where there's a lot to discuss. And um, we got a lot of reader questions and a lot of Interest. So we have a special guest that we'll introduce shortly, but do you want to read our disclaimer, Caitlin? Sure. The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. There, it is no substitute for professional care by a doctor or qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical advice or services. Instead, we encourage you to discuss your health with a licensed healthcare provider. Caitlin Weeks and Mary Vance assume no liability for your activities in connection with this podcast. Phew. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we've got the legal stuff out of the way. um, In case you guys didn't listen, our last podcast was with Cholesterol Clarity author and Live in La Vida low-carb show host Jimmy Moore, who's also a great guy and has a lot of great information in his book. And I'm currently reading it, and it's really good to see that all the paradigm shift away from the dogma of low fat diet and no saturated fat associated with cholesterol. So I know that's a popular topic for everyone. So have a listen. Yeah, that one is really good because he gave all the tests to ask your doctor for and how to talk to your doctor about medications and was really user friendly. So check that one out. What's new on your blog? Well, my sister did a guest post of oxtail beef bourguignon she's wow fancy she's got a new blog over at me gusta mantequilla she's a spanish teacher so she has a blog all about what does that mean i love something butter oh i love butter <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah so she um did a guest post of her oxtail recipe i think everyone should eat oxtail because it's so got so much gelatin in it And it's great for skin and hair and teeth and bones and cellulite and acne and you name it. Mm. And I made a blueberry banana bread. I was at home for two weeks in Nashville and with my parents. And so I had all this opportunity to cook a bunch of stuff for them because I had somebody to eat it. So that was... Mm. That was fun to make the blueberry banana bread. And everyone's saying they love it on my blog, so... Yeah, I saw, I posted that recipe on my Facebook page, which is Mary Vance Nutrition, for all of those of you who haven't connected with me, but I really want to try that. You have to grind the chia seeds, though, right? That does some special magic thing to it. I mean, it probably would work either way, but that's what I did, so. (laughs) Okay, I'll try that. Um, Well, no, actually, that one is not, that, that one I don't think is, that one's not chia- you're thinking about, I have another bread that I did this week was a chia bread. Oh, right. Okay. But that one has eggs. They both have eggs, I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
So, yeah. But I did make a pumpkin chia muffin that I'm going to block soon that has no eggs, so you'll like that one. Awesome. Well, good for you. I'm glad someone's out there navigating the world of paleo breads for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my dad was trying to start a paleo diet, so I was trying to help him because he's a real bread freak, so that will help. This show will relate to him. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. So what's over? What did you write about recently? I started a new feature on my site, which is Mary Vance NC, like nutritionconsultant.com. There's a new feature called Feedback Friday, where I have readers send me photos of their meals, and I offer them feedback and critique what they're eating. So if you want to participate, send me pictures of your food, just email Feedback Friday at maryvancenc.com, and I'll choose one photo each week and post it every Friday with my feedback on it. Make sure it looks tasty. And yes, it's an example for um, to showcase your food photography skills as well. <laughs> I'm, also doing a, I'm also doing a spiral slicer giveaway um, that ends next Monday, so head to my site to enter. Because everybody's crazy for these spiral slicers, and I love making zucchini noodles and sweet potato noodles and all of those fun grain-free noodle options with it. So you can win if you enter on my site. Awesome. All right, Mary, everybody's wanting to know, what did you have for breakfast? (laughs) Does everybody want to know? Let me think. What did I have for breakfast this morning? Oh, I had a smoothie with gelatin. I made... um, I had some leftover frozen blueberries that I got at the market a couple of weeks ago. So I made is blueberries, gelatin, spirulina, chia seeds, coconut milk, almond butter, and cinnamon. And the kitchen sink, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had that for breakfast. What about you? I had some leftover uh, chicken legs with some olives and carrots and broth. That's this thing that my husband makes. It's like tagine zetuna oh awesome <laughs> yeah, it's olives green olives and uh and then i've read a little bit of raspberries with coconut milk so what did you have neely um i had sausage and eggs and coconut oil and uh a little bit of a tapioca crepe banana tapioca crepe Ooh, fancy so we want to welcome Neely, our guest. Neely is a nutritional therapy, nutritional therapist, right? Yeah. And she lives in Boulder, Colorado, but I think she's on a journey. I read about her van that she worked on for a long time to get ready with her husband to drive around the country, as far as I understand. And I know she's uh, got a background of being a rock climber, and she writes a lot about her work with clients, and I know she had some blood sugar issues before she started the paleo diet. So we're just really excited to have her today, and she works with a lot of athletes, so she'll give us that unique perspective. So tell tell me more about how you got into this whole thing, Neely. Um. Well, I've been studying nutrition, well, I guess we could start it when I was 12 and I went vegetarian and wrecked myself for about 10 years 
and had all kinds of issues after that digestive. I think we all have that in common. (laughs) Right. Um, And then I got into nutrition school when I was 23, I believe. And um, it was just to to try to fix myself. And then I got into food sensitivities because I figured out that I had quite a few of them. Um, But I was still eating grains and still seeing clients and, you know, still offering them the same general holistic nutrition information. But um, when I finally realized that I could no longer eat grains, uh, I started to change my practice and I went the paleo way. And so I've been you know, studying up on that a lot more. I learned about it in school, but I have obviously put my, my life and passion into paleo and that's where I am with it. It's, it's changed my life for sure. I mean, I wasn't overweight when I started. Um, my weight has pretty much stayed the same, but a lot of my symptoms have gone away that I used to have. Yeah. We met actually at paleo FX in 2012 in Austin, so that was really fun. We got to yeah. sit and eat meat with Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Lots. So it was a great time. Those things are always so overwhelming, but you meet so many nice people that you can stay in touch with. Um, all right, Mary, so fire away with the first question. Well, so just as a reminder today, we're, we're talking all about carbs and the place in our diets, because I know there's a lot of confusion people have around what carbohydrates to eat and what are acceptable paleo forms of carbohydrates. And one of the most common pitfalls I see in my practice is is people actually going way too low carb and having a lot of hunger and blood sugar issues and not including enough starchy carbs. So I think there's a lot of confusion around carbohydrates because obviously proteins and fats are pretty easy to nail down, but we are here today to clear up some of the confusion that exists out there and address a lot of reader questions that we got too. So the first question we'll start with just as a background for Neely too is Neely, how would you say someone could figure out how many carbohydrates are right for them? And maybe, you know, we can also discuss kind of the good carb versus bad carb. If such a thing exists model too. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that there needs to be a disclaimer to this whole conversation that everybody's different. And I hate, I, I have a feeling that a lot of these questions, I'm going to start my answer with, well, everybody's different, which is kind of <laughs> annoying because people do want hard and fast answers. But, um, so, so with that in mind, it's, it's kind of an experimental process, I think for everybody. Um, you can, and I know that we're going to talk about this a little bit. You know, you can look at Mark Sisson's carb curve or whatever (laughs) and take a very, very general idea from that. Um, but it just depends on, you know, if you're an athlete, what kind of athlete you are, how old you are, what, uh, where, where your weight is, how much fat you have stored on your body. Um, so I think we'll probably delve into this question a little bit more as the conversation goes on. It just depends. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, Neely, what are some signs that maybe you're getting too many carbs? Well, I think that that would probably look like, for a lot of people, it's going to look like weight gain. Um, it might look like water retention. 
And some people that's more noticeable than others. You know, some people get the baggy eyes or the bags under their eyes. Some people actually get edema around their ankles. Um, and it's just because when you eat carbs, they help store water in your cells. So, um, that's one way to know. And the other way would be like, if you're having, well, depending on what kind of carbs you're having, maybe bloating could be happening, but basically weight gain. I also want to have us all clarify, because believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there who really don't know what carbohydrates are and what we're talking about in terms of kind of the starchy carbs and the lower carb vegetables and carbohydrates. So let's just do a quick 101 and talk about what are carbohydrates and what that looks like in a paleo diet too. Yeah. You want me to do this? Yeah. <laughs> sure. We can all chime in. <laughs> yeah, we can all chime in. Um, that's, that's a really good point because so many people, they don't think of uh, salads as carb, carb dense foods or meals. And every, every vegetable has carbohydrates, every fruit, um, nuts have carbohydrates, some more than others. Um, tapioca, you know, the, the starchy roots. So like tapioca and taro and, um, and then there are sweet potatoes and potatoes and all the yams. So those are the main ones that come to mind for me. Yeah. I was going to say how I describe to my clients is, exactly like you said is, you know, I think a lot of people don't consider vegetables carbohydrates and that's one of the major kind of, um, criticisms I hear about paleo is where are you getting your carbohydrates? Well, carbohydrates obviously are all vegetables, but they're kind of lower carb veggies, like the leafy greens and the cruciferous. And then the higher carb veggies are the, like you said, the taro and the starchy or root vegetables and things that come out of the ground. And then of course, all grains are sources of carbohydrates and fruits too. So basically anything, what I explain to people is anything that's not a protein or a fat is basically a carbohydrate. Right. And even those, and even those like avocados and nuts, like I said, those also have carbohydrates in them and avocados, a a surprising amount. Yeah. They're, well, they're a fruit after all, right? Yeah. And they also, I mean, there's also the net carb, theory of subtracting the fiber, which I don't know what you guys think about that, but I don't think it matters that much if you're eating something that's carbohydrate. I mean, that's got a lot of nutrition in it. You know, it's probably going to be fine to count them or not count them. Well, what do you think? uh, Mary, you can go ahead. No, go ahead, Neely, actually. I, I, I definitely think there's merit to that for sure. I mean, if you look at a berry compared to a banana, there's going to be a lot more, um, sugar in the banana just by virtue of the amount of fiber that's in the berry. And I mean, a lot of times it's, it's just by taste, like the sweeter ones, the sweeter things are going to be higher in sugar and, uh, simple carbs and the not so sweet, like the berries are going to be lower. So that's an easy way to to tell. You know what I always associate with net carbs, and this is really weird, is when you find those sugar-free products that have uh, sugar alcohols in them, that's the first place I remember ever seeing net carbs before I really studied it and knew what it was. So I always associate it with fake sugar alcohols for some reason. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which is totally off topic, but yeah. um, I don't know. What do you think about it, Caitlin? I mean, you know, there's probably not going to be that many grams of fiber in a banana to minus. So that's going to go along with what Neely said. But I mean, I think kind of, I mean, what I've noticed is like green vegetables, it just doesn't really seem to make that much difference as far as, um, you know, if we're talking about somebody who's really wanting to do a low carb diet, I mean, I, I feel like you could probably eat as many green vegetables as you want, but I'm sure some people would disagree with that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Jimmy, Jimmy Moore might even disagree with that. Yeah. I guess it but- just depends, like Neely said. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, that's one of the huge, it depends on the person because there are so many factors at play. If someone has GI inflammation, they can't handle a large amount of green vegetables. And then, you know, obviously they don't have as much of an impact, but some of the higher fiber vegetables or ones that are higher in anti-nutrients that can cause inflammation can really irritate someone who's got an inflamed GI tract until they start to heal. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets tricky. make them into soup, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Put everything in the blender and pulverize. So tell us, let's talk a little bit more about the the carbs for athletes, Neely. So when, when, when do you, if you are going to do like a big workout, you eat them before you're going to work out or after, or how does that work? Uh, it depends. <laughs> and, in com- and in combination with what? Yeah. Well, okay. This is, this is, uh, very important, I think, to talk about because I get a lot of people asking me questions about, um, CrossFit. I get a lot of people doing CrossFit who come to me. And, um, I think that a lot of the misinformation, unfortunately, is being disseminated through the CrossFit gyms because a lot of times people are like, well, my coach told me that I shouldn't have any fruit and I shouldn't have any sugar whatsoever and, and that I shouldn't have sweet potatoes. And so, of course, you know, as you can predict, they're super lower in energy, um, their performance is sucking. And so this is happening a lot, I think. Um, so the question was, though, how, when to eat carbs, before, after, during, and all that. So I think that in my own experience, it's always been great to have carbs beforehand. And especially with people who are doing um, endurance activities, well, if you're going for a run, say, it seems like it helps people to have some sort of carbohydrate before they go, whether it's a banana or a little bit of sweet potato or something. And, and I know that that's hard for some people who run really early in the morning. So I have a lot of conversations about, you know, brainstorming food ideas for those people because sometimes they can't even imagine eating at five in the morning before they're going for a run. So it's really up to the person. I mean, maybe they can only tolerate like a little cup of juice. And in that case, like in those sorts of cases, I know that juice is is sort of a non-paleo, it's a bad word in paleo, but (laughs) I think for endurance athletes, especially like they, they do, and they can use sugar very quickly. And so within a half an hour of a big workout or something, it may be good for them. As long as in general, they're, they're doing really good things with their diet to make them, um, 
use fat properly throughout their runs, you know? So I think that it's important to have fat carbs and uh, protein pretty much throughout the day. Like I don't think that anybody should just be having sugar bombed uh, smoothies for entire meals unless they're an incredibly active athlete, endurance athlete at that. So how do you think lack of carbs can be a problem for athletes? Because I know also, I like you mentioned, I see that really commonly is women who want to get cut and lose body fat and they are virtually not eating any carbohydrates at all and they're gaining weight as a result. Yeah, that does happen sometimes. And I think that it affects, I mean, you guys have probably seen this too. It affects people's adrenals. And so like if you're not having enough carbs, sometimes you can have really low, you can have bad blood sugar problems, especially because a lot of people are just cutting out carbs and they're not putting enough fat in. Um, and so they're basically just eating chicken breasts (laughs) and like like green vegetables, which uh, if I ever tried to do that, I would first of all starve and I would be very, very low blood sugar. And so, um, and very cranky. Yeah. Very cranky. So but I, I think it can go either way. I mean, I've seen people lose a ton of weight and I've seen people not lose weight, um, regardless of how many carbs they're not eating. Um, and so, like I was saying, I think it can affect people's thyroid, which there's some research on and some, or, or some research to support and some not to support it. Um, and I, but I, I think that anytime you're starving yourself of something that your particular body wants, like for instance, I think, I don't know if you guys know this, but I did a ketogenic experiment on myself and it only lasted, I think seven days or something, maybe even six, because I felt like I was going to die. And I, I was eating a lot of fat, but I was eating very few carbs. I was only eating, I don't know, below, below 30 grams of carbs, I believe. Um, and I, my heart was racing. I was super anxious um, I just was so fatigued, but at the same time, there are other women out there and other people who maybe, maybe it's a matter of having enough stored body fat. Cause that the, I didn't have, you know, a surplus on me to help, you know, fuel my activity. Um, so anyway, I, I think that it can affect people in a lot of different ways, but I, it's not good for athletes. I don't think unless they're doing it in a very scientific way and in a very gradual way to get to a a high fat sort of diet. Yeah. I mean, that could be, if you don't have anything, cause I, I mean, ketogenic diets are supposed to be switching you into fat burning. And if you don't have any fat to burn, then it can probably be, probably feel like crap, but most people don't have that problem. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, so, you know, on that same kind of topic, you know, what, what do you think about this concept of being metabolically broken? Like, you mean permanently the way Jimmy Moore talks about and you know, that, that maybe some people can't handle any carbohydrates ever again. <laughs> yeah. And I think that 
you know, for every person out there who has problems with low carb, very low carb, there's another person out there who feels entirely awesome on it. And so, yeah, obviously, I mean, Jimmy's one of those people who can, I mean, his diet, I'm not sure how he's eating right now, but his ketogenic diet was pretty intense and he felt great. And so I do think that everybody has their own tolerance for carbohydrates and everybody has their own tolerance for different kinds of carbs. And so it's really a matter of just seeing what works. But on that note, I do think that some people are pretty broken. And, and I, I mean, I think that probably all of us have done some serious damage to ourselves over the years. And I personally am on a lot of supplements at this point that were prescribed to me by my naturopath. And I, some of them I probably won't ever get off. And it's because of like stress and eating crappy foods for so long. And I was a binger for a while and, you know, I've always had a sweet tooth. So I think that there are some people who need extra support and I think that it can help. And I don't think that those people need to be on medications, but I do think that there are nutrients that can help people, you know, get back to somewhat normal. I wanted to chime into on the metabolically broken issue. Uh, Number one, because I know that I've had a lot of women, especially come to me saying that they can't tolerate any carbohydrates or else they crash or they get severe bloating. And there is a gut issue at play where if you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria, dysbiosis, candida, or parasites or pathogens, or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Anytime you eat, very, you know, certain types of starches that contain, uh, you know, the FODMAP sugars are one example. The fructo oligo disaccharide monounsaccharide, whatever that acronym is. If you're yeah. eating those, that will immediately cause pain, bloating. It'll cause you blood sugar instability issues and cause a lot of crashing. So. I think it's easy for the average person out there who isn't under the guidance of a practitioner to get really confused and think they can't tolerate any carbohydrates. And so they restrict themselves so much because they get these digestive issues when they, whenever they eat carbs and then they're actually being so restrictive that they're so tired and that can actually further damage thyroid hormone. Right. It's another example of women and men being very different in the way that our endocrine systems are set up because men, I think, can function really well. And you were using Jimmy Moore as an example. And obviously he had some fat to burn when he started on his whole journey. But um, men in general, I think, respond much better to ketogenic diets and to you know intermittent fasting, for example, than women. I think women's endocrine systems are so delicate because we are designed to you know, make babies and carry babies and our hormones can become really dysregulated or disrupted by any kind of tinkering around sometimes with, you know, too low carb or even intermittent fasting. I've seen a lot of women get into trouble with that. So along the same lines of what you're saying in terms of everybody's different is that those are our two major issues. I think that are a different for women and men and B if people have special considerations with, you know, gut flora or parasite issues, then, then they might think that they have a problem with carbs, but it might actually be a gut issue. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing that you bring up. And I think that women and men are very different. Um, I have, I've thrown out some theories about that. One being that 
this may be totally stupid and ignorant, but <laughs> that if men are made to be the hunters, then they're, you know, over time, maybe they evolved to be able to withstand not eating for a longer time, whereas the women are, have generally been the gatherers. So maybe they're, they're more accustomed and evolved to eat throughout the day. But no, I, that's exactly what I was getting at. I think that's yeah, exactly right on. I have no idea. But at the same time, my husband is a really good example of, um, of the couple of those things that you were just talking about is he was actually just diagnosed with candida. And he's one of those people who, since I've known him over the past eight years, he's gotten more and more sensitive to different carbohydrate foods. So at first it was apples and they gave him, you know, terrible digestive problems. And then it was bananas and then it was pears and then it was, um, carrots. And then it was just all these different fruits and vegetables and they would just make him super bloated and gassy. And finally he was like, screw this. Okay. If I can't have this, I need to get carbs somehow. And I can only eat so many sweet potatoes. So he was turning to simple sugars. And what I mean, what I mean, like, uh, paleo, not paleo, but, um, gummy bears that were made <laughs> from tapioca sugar, you know, so like really, really simple, but those were the only things that weren't upsetting his stomach. So it was something about those fruits that were upsetting him, you know, some sort of fiber or something in them. And so it's, it's really, this is just one more example of how totally different it is for everybody. And for me sometimes too, like there are certain foods that upset my stomach, but if I have like just plain honey or even sugar, it's totally fine. And I'm not saying that you should go out and, you know, eat a bunch of sugar. But at the same time, I do think that we have demonized sugar a little bit too much, especially for people who are active. Yeah, I agree. I have one more question. So about the, the athletes. <laughs> so let's say you, you, you had your half a sweet potato, then you did your workout. So what's your after meal going to look like? And also tell me what you think about protein powder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, after, well, it depends on the, the workout, but like if you did a hard endurance workout, then you need to replenish everything. I mean, you need to get your protein and you need to get your carbs, um, and your fat. So in my mind, I don't really see any difference between most meals for an athlete. Like they need to be constantly replenishing their glycogen stores. And that, um, this is not, touching on like the carb night and all the people who are restricting carbs and then binging, which I think is totally it. Well, for me it would be very bipolar, but anyway. Um, so I think that if people are eating a good amount of carbs, um, throughout the day at every meal, there's not going to be this, Oh, this is my after workout meal. This is just a meal, you know? So like my breakfast usually has some sort of, uh, starch in it. And then my lunch usually has some sort of starch. And then my dinner usually has some sort of starch because if I don't have that, and if I'm, I know of a lot of athletes who would say the same, if I don't have it, I don't feel good. Like I get really tired and weak. So, um, that's my answer on that. I think that if you're a runner, like I've, I've worked with a bunch of runners and they will make sure to have, um, juice or some sort of, high carb, like a smoothie with a lot of fruit in it or something after their workouts. And that'll help. And that also helps with soreness, you know, if you're replenishing those carbs. 
Um, and then just get your normal amount of protein and, and fat in there and you should be good. And then as far as protein powders, honestly, I think that they're sort of weird, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I know that a lot of people have very little time in their days to cook. And so they're super convenient. And I, I get that. But at the same time, like I have not seen a, a source of truly like pastured egg white powder, you know, or have you guys? <laughs> I really don't like the egg white smoothies. I mean, those, those are the protein powders that really kind of creep me out because they're so highly processed. And the same thing with whey. I never recommend whey. There's one, I think raw, unprocessed, low heat, um, grass fed, grass fed protein, whey protein source. And so many people that I work with have problems with dairy that they can't really handle whey anyway in the beginning. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I used to be really big into the dairy free, the vegan protein powders just made with brown rice or pea protein or hemp protein, but they can really jack someone's blood sugar if you're blood sugar sensitive. And I often tell people if they're making smoothies for exactly the reason you said, I mean, a lot of people who are are coming to me aren't even eating breakfast and they're running out the door. So I tell them, you know, to make smoothies around, not loaded with fruit, but put, you know, some coconut butter, some coconut milk, you know, chia seeds, coconut oil. Yeah. Yeah. Avocado I'll put into smoothies or you can even just do hard boiled eggs in there. Yeah, exactly. Or put an egg yolk. Consider from a good source. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a Jamba juice, you know, sugar bomb, smoothie which that's what a lot of people equate when they equate with actually i got a when i was in denver airport last week and it was just they have one that's just like a greens and greens and berries or something oh i've got i've had that one before it's like beets and greens yeah several of them but they're they're typical fruit smoothies they put frozen yogurt and apple banana pineapple they have they have something like um, 43 tablespoons of sugar in them or something. Yeah, you have to look at the nutrition info for sure. Yeah. I have a whole article, a whole article on my website called our protein powders detrimental. And I kind of explain my whole viewpoints because nowadays I'm just down to just putting a couple t- tablespoons of gelatin in a smoothie and gelatin's processed too. I mean, everybody's crazy for gelatin, but how do you think it got processed in the neat little powdered container that comes to your doorstep? It's not unprocessed. Right. So it's just, it's a matter of quality control and the levels of processing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a blog posts on my website too, at paleo plan uh, on my thoughts on uh, protein powders. And I just, I don't think that there's any reason that people can't have real food instead, like have just, and and I've seen the busiest people in the world make the transition to, okay, once a week I'm going to make, I'm going to take 15 minutes and put um, a bunch of chicken breasts into the oven and let them bake for, you know, 12 minutes and then put them in the fridge. And then you just take them out and have your, okay, fine, have your smoothie, but then on the side have that chicken breast with some salt or some avocado or whatever or mustard on it, you know? So it's, it's like f- real food. <laughs> I think that sticks with you so much longer than something liquidy anyway. I mean, I've definitely tried to have shakes and things like that in the past. And it's like in an hour, an hour just doesn't feel like you really ate. And yeah, 
so I think you you almost have to chew to have that kind of downstream signaling that hey I just had a meal. Um, so what's the next question, Mary? Let's see where are we? We were talking about athletes. So speaking of athletes, Mark Sisson, what do you think of his mythical carb curve? I, I like how you you <laughs> just you just say it how it, how you think it is <laughs> mythical. Um, I think that honestly, I think it's a good starting point. And because if we need a starting point, because people have no idea where to start, they're like, well, do I start at 20 grams? Do I start at 300 grams of carbs? I have no idea. So if you're starting with a hundred as your middle point, right? So the mythical carb curve is carb, carb curve is a hundred grams will keep you lean um, 150, 100 to 150, I think is like, you're getting into, you're maintaining, right? Under a hundred, you can keep losing weight. A hundred to 150, you're maintaining your weight. And beyond 150, you get into the quote danger zone where <laughs> you start gaining weight and then below 50, you're definitely going to be losing weight. And, um, I think like I said, it's a good starting point. So for athletes, a lot of times I'll say, okay, we need to figure out where you need to be. So let's start with a hundred grams. Okay. And, and then we'll see how you do from there. And then if they're doing like an hour, two hour, three hour run or something, then we're going to add like 50 grams per hour ish and, and, and start with that. Um, but I do think like a lot of times I'll end up especially for women who are like normal size, I think that a hundred grams is a good place to start. And then if they are still feeling fatigued or whatever, we go up from there. And if they're feeling pretty good, we can, um, stick with it. Well, I mean, the other thing to think about when somebody is, is doing a lot of hard athletic endurance stuff is, you know, is that really even right for them? And, and if they are having challenges losing weight, if, if that's their issue, like you got to look at the adrenals and, you know, maybe they shouldn't even be doing it in the first place. That's a really good Well, point. I mean, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to talk about is, okay, so how do you fuel the athlete? But really, should the athlete be as crazy as they are? So <laughs> I have a client right now who, um, I think I just wrote a blog post about her, but she she's a, she runs and she does CrossFit and she was working out like seven days a week and, um, under eating carbohydrates well under eating in general, but she is, she went to a, a naturopath and found out that she has like basically no cortisol. There's no adrenal output basically. <laughs> She's, they called her, she's flatlined. Flatlining. Yeah, she's flatlining. And <laughs> I thought at that, that was point, a standard. <laughs> <laughs> right. At that point, a lot of times people are put on cortisol um, or cortisone. And so um, for her, yeah, my first, <laughs> my first suggestion was not, okay, we need to eat more carbs to fuel this. It was, you've got to stop exercising so much or you're going to be in bed for the rest of your life. And I think that people who are exercising and like if the people who have full-time jobs and the other stressors of society and they're working out, they're doing CrossFit more than three times a week. Honestly, I think it's too much. 
And I see that all the time. And people are like, I'm tired. I'm, and they're living on caffeine. And then they start getting injured, right? Yeah, a lot of them will start getting yeah. injured. But I mean, then, like, later on, we can only imagine what's going to happen with their thyroid and adrenals. Yeah, that you just described several clients, and it's, a, it's such a common pattern. If you don't have any cortisol output, you're more prone to injury because high or low cortisol causes inflammation. Yeah. And you're exhausted. But, you know, my, my kind of philosophy for just discovering someone's carb load, and like you said, Neely, obviously it really depends on your goals. But, you know, I a lot of women I get who just aren't athletes and they're just trying to figure out how to eat for them, I, I tell them just to start by adding, rather than counting grams of carbs, which sometimes can be really mystifying for people, you know, I'll just have them... And it also depends on how blood sugar sensitive they are because you'll know if you're eating too much carbohydrate at lunch, say, because you'll be tired afterwards. So, you know, start by adding a half cup of sweet potato and see how you feel and then move up from there. And if you're tired after lunch, you had too many carbohydrates. So that's kind of a beginner's rule of thumb, I think. And once you get more advanced into this and you're looking at tweaking athletic performance and fat loss, then you can get more advanced into actually counting carbs. But... You know, I wanted to touch on something because there's, you know, we were talking about being metabolically broken earlier and you were mentioning, you know, eating under 50 grams of carbs as a weight loss mechanism. But what do you think about this kind of other school of thought that says restricting carbs that low will damage your metabolism, you know, no matter what? And of course, there's this theory that if you're eating that low carb, of course, your body is going to naturally shed fat at first because it, uh, you're, you know, restricting a major food group, but then it, you know, burns out your thyroid, burns out your adrenals, and the only way to recover from that is kind of by this whole refeeding philosophy. So what do you guys think about that? Go ahead, Neely. All right. Um, Yeah, the people who come to mind when I think of people who can deal with under 50 grams of carbs a day are, like, pretty sedentary older women. Yeah. No, because at these past few weeks, I've uh, been pretty sedentary and I'm a blogger myself and I still could not do under 50 grams of carbs. I mean, there are women out there who've been doing Atkins for the last like 10 years or more and, and they eat under 50 grams of carbs and they count them every day and they're great and they're, they've lost weight and they keep it off and that's just how they live their lives. And it works for them, and they have energy. So there, there are definitely people who can do it. Yeah. I just don't see it being the people who are, like, very stressed out, athletic, and high-strung. Even the people who need to lose weight. Yeah, like you said, I, I think that some, it'll, it'll work in the beginning, maybe, because you're going to shed a, a bunch of water weight. But a lot of times those people will plateau. And it's also because... A lot of times they're doing this very low carb diet, but they're feeling so restricted that they'll binge every four days. And so they're not actually doing that low carb of a diet. It's a Bill Clinton veganism, right? That's actually a good point. And they, and they also fail to admit to themselves or report to their nutritionists that That they're having some slip ups. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, I've had plenty of clients who are like, yeah, I'm going to do this low carb thing. I don't even care what you say. I'm just going to do it. So then I support them through it, trying to help them make good decisions about it. And they end up quitting or binging 
or quitting, then binging, then quitting, you know, and it's, it's it's more stress than it's worth. And they're not losing weight. I, I do see that a lot. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who, you know, are paleo and I think you kind of have to find your kind of groove with it and figure out, you know, I have some friends that are really low carb and that's how they feel good. And then I have other ones who, who, you know, eat more fruit, more sweet potatoes, and they feel good. And you just kind of have to experiment with yourself and see where you feel the best and and where you you can kind of eat three good meals a day and not be thinking about food all the time and not have the tiredness or the, you know, urge to, to snack all the time. Yep. So let's get into the questions from our Facebook readers. So I put this up on Facebook that we were doing this podcast, and within about five minutes, there was 20 questions. <laughs> so that's a good sign that it's an interesting topic to people. So Lori wants to know, why do I love carbs so much? <laughs> that's kind of endearing. Yeah, and and I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, th- there have been, there's evidence that they, um, affect your serotonin levels. And, um, I think that they're very comforting foods cause that's what we grew up eating. Um, they're, I, I think that evolutionarily sweetness was like this hard to come by thing. And when you had it, it was like, okay, well, thank God we get some carbs now. So of course our bodies are going to respond appropriately like oh give me more of this stuff so there's all kinds of things in our in our genes to make us love carbs yeah well what i think that's exactly right on and also a lot of us who grew up eating processed foods you know the the food industry has engineered oreos and cheetos and m&ms to have such a high level of fructose and sugar and and, and and those play on the pleasure receptor centers of our brain to get us, you know, addicted to them and from a young age. And we, you literally do, like you said, I mean, carbohydrates give people a serotonin rush. And if you're sugar sensitive, then forget it because you're getting that sugar high from eating it. And it's literally an addictive uh, reaction that you're having. And, you know, if you're talking about the bread and pasta crew, Every time you're eating that, and if you're gluten intolerant, then you're getting, you know, this gluteomorphine rush and the sugar rush. So there's so many different factors at play that, you know, there can be like an allergy, a food allergy, addictive quality to carbs where literally you get this just like rush of like this drug addicted high from it. Yeah. you know, cause the blood sugar instability or just the food addiction quality to it. And you, you don't really hear about people being addicted to proteins and avocados necessarily but more so the bread pasta ice cream and yeah right but at the same time it's not it's funny because we say that we're addicted to carbs and we are but like you were saying it's it's also that it's the salt and the sugar and the other the other things that are added to these because you don't see many people just like binging on raw or just cooked noodles, you know, <laughs> or, or like just plain white bread or, uh, sweet potatoes or, or potatoes, you know, you don't see that it's the other flavors. So that that's, I think a lot of, um, what people are afraid of when they, when they 
are told that they are not going to be able to eat those things anymore if they go paleo. And it's, and it's true. Like, I think that people are addicted to the gluten and everything else in there. And, and then I see so often, I'm sure you guys do too, that when people go paleo, all of a sudden they don't have the vicious cravings that they used to have. Yeah. It does go down and it's not overnight, but it takes maybe two or three weeks. But the other thing I can't stand is when people think that they can't have any carbs at all on paleo. And, you know, I think after you have to do some tweaking to figure it out, but you can have, and there's a lot of uh, dense sources of them. And, you know, you just have to figure out which ones work for you. But um, there's huge lists of them out there on lots of different websites. So don't think it's no carb diet. Yeah, Practical Paleo, Diane's book, has a great chart of starchy carbs, paleo sources of starchy carbs in the in the back. And some of them, you know, pe- people really feel restricted to just sweet potatoes when they are trying to transition to paleo. But there are tons of other root vegetables from beets and carrots. And we're coming into fall now. The winter squashes are coming out. And rutabagas, turnips, parsnips. I mean, get step out of the sweet potato rut. Yeah. To get creative. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, there are a ton out there and I I really think that people are way too scared of carbs. I mean, I, I just want to share what I eat because I think that it's always relevant for people to hear what other people of different sizes and shapes eat. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a little person. I'm five feet tall. I'm between a hundred and 105 pounds. And I probably eat like 150 to 200 grams of carbs a day. And that's honestly saying that I feel like I've just sinned because I know that it's so much higher than, than what paleo people tell you to eat. And, you know, there are people out there who are probably thinking that I'm damaging myself, (laughs) but after years of experimenting, that is what makes me feel the best. Like I have energy throughout the day. I have, um, I sleep well. I am not depressed. I, you know, all these things. I'm not overweight. I'm not gaining weight because of it. So have you you fixed your adrenals? (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I'll ever fix them. I'm a rock climber. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I rock climb, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm scared. I'm just ruining my adrenals, but, um, I, I know that since I've been seeing my, um, I started seeing a naturopath last year. And since that time, I definitely, all of my markers have gotten into normal ranges and I feel better. And he thinks I'm perfect. Here's the thing is a little bit of stress on the body is good. I mean, if we were all walking around coddling ourselves and never experiencing any stressors, then life would be super boring. And that's why a lot of people are into rock climbing or jumping out of planes or extreme sports or whatever. But the problem zone comes if your body isn't able to recover or recuperate from that stressful event. So, you know, if you're not feeding yourself well or if you're damaged and have fully recovered, it's just that your body's ability to recover and, you know, continue to thrive is what makes the difference. You probably yeah. don't rock climb every day. <laughs> no, I mean, no. And that's actually a good thing. Cause when I have climbed, you know, five days a week or something, I, 
I was not as well off as I am right now. And I mean, I wasn't as healthy as I am now. So, and that's the other thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit is a long time ago, I realized I was, I did used to weigh like 135 pounds for a five foot person that is overweight. And, um, and I gradually got down and down and down with my diet. But, um, there was a point in time. I remember when I was running a lot and I was doing yoga and I was climbing, I was doing all of these things. And I was kind of an addict because I was trying to lose weight. And, um, finally I just got tired and I was sick of it. And I was like, I'm doing all of this and I'm not losing weight. What is the point? And so I just stopped and all, I stopped doing most everything that I was doing and I started losing weight. And, and I've seen that happen. In fact, with this client of mine who is the flatlined cortisol client, she actually stopped doing her exercise as well and started losing weight. And in, even though she was eating a little bit more than normal. So I think that that could happen to a lot of people because, like you said, our, it's, the more exercise you do, the more you're inflaming your body to a certain extent. You know, like doing exercise is causing a cortisol response. And so sometimes people get more inflamed than others. So I do think that over-exercising can definitely affect people's weight loss goals. Well, yeah, exercise is perceived as a stress by the body. So right. that's that's why, yeah, exactly what you said. If you're doing too much of it and your adrenals are kind of fried, then that's a recipe for weight gain. Right. Yeah, and then you start to see all the food sensitivities because the gut lining gets so worn down and you start to have, you know, be a gateway to all the bugs and everything coming in because <clears throat> you've worn yourself out. Yeah, yeah. systemic inflammation. So ask the next Facebook one, Mary. This person next says, is there a way to eat sweet potatoes and still lose weight? (laughs) That's that's from Courtney. I'm not not laughing at her question. I'm just laughing because we've been talking about these, this, all, basically this the whole time. Yes, definitely. There's definitely a way to, I mean, sweet potatoes, what, a half of a sweet potato is, or an entire sort of large sweet potato is about 40 grams of carbs, right? And so if you're trying to eat around 100 grams, say, as our baseline, then yes, you can definitely eat a sweet potato a day. And I I would love to employ your standard disclaimer here that it really depends on the person. And here again, I've, I've actually had people, you know, who aren't overdoing it with the starchy carbs at all or they're eating sweet potatoes and the sweet potatoes are inflaming them because they're breaking down and feeding bad gut bugs that are causing inflammation in the body so there are so many factors going on if you eat one sweet potato a day and blow up the next day because of inflammation there's definitely something going on in your gut that is not the sweet potato's fault it's something physiologically that you need to get someone to help you with figure out the underlying uh triggers there right and if you have type two diabetes. I mean, like my dad is type two diabetic. And if he had an entire sweet potato, yeah, his blood sugar would go through the roof and he would probably gain weight. And you could see that on Jimmy Moore's, um, sort of graphs that he had, like if he ate certain foods, he would gain weight the very next day. The very next day. Yeah. That's, yeah. and that's the inflammation that can happen to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else do we have on here. Um, the next, they're kind of all similar. 
Yeah, Andrea says, why is it every time that I add fruit back in, I gain everything I lost? Well, maybe that you just, I mean, depending on what other carbs or how many carbs she's eating, it may just be water weight that she had lost. And, and I mean, is it one pound? Is it seven pounds? Because that's, if it's one or two pounds, then that's like very normal weight fluctuations. One to five pounds, really. Yeah. That sounds like a yeast issue to me, too. Yeah, very well could be. Um, so, let's see. The next one, we talked about that a little bit. Let's, let's do this one from Susan. Can you care? Okay, so she feels like, can you talk about, like, hypoglycemia? She says, every time I add carbs and sugar back in, it spirals. I feel like I'm having an alcoholic taking a drink. Yeah, that's one of those metabolically, maybe not broken, but that's a lot of times that's um, reactive hypoglycemia. Yeah. Um, it, it, it may be that she's eating, I don't know what carbs she's putting back in, but if she has a sensitivity to one of those foods or one or more of them, then that can definitely cause that drunk feeling. Like if you have a sensitivity to quinoa and you're eating quinoa or rice or potatoes or something, you can get that just from that food. But if you tried eating something else like tapioca, you might not have it. That's a good point, too. And like you said, with the reactive hypoglycemia, um, if you're so sugar sensitive, you can heal that. doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever, but you have to take some special care and be super strict at first to really... You know, you're, keep in mind your adrenals secrete cortisol, which is a glucocorticosteroid. And that's a fancy way of saying that your adrenals really manage your blood sugar levels. And they, you know, you, we were talking about sleep earlier at night. If you're waking up at, you know, 3 or 4 a.m., that means that your adrenals are too weak to manage your blood sugar at night. And that could be very much happening during the day. That's why you get these energy spikes and dips. So you have to really work on healing your adrenals and keeping your blood sugar stable to help your adrenals and... And there's a lot of factors that go in, and eventually you can heal this hypoglycemia. Although some people, you know, always have a tendency towards sugar sensitivity, but it gets better over time. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I do think that naturopaths and nutritionists who work a lot with supplements can be very helpful with this. There are a lot of products out there that you can buy off the shelves of Whole Foods or whatever, but if you get the right testing done, you can really see what's going on and you can get the very focused nutrient help that you need to, to heal it. Like if your adrenals are messed up, there's plenty of really great, um, adrenal support supplements out there. Yeah. I mean that you nailed it when you said, especially if you're doing the saliva testing and these are tests that I look at every day and interpret for people. And you can see when your cortisol spikes, you can see when it drops too low during the day. If your cortisol regular, rhythm is irregular you can actually take specific herbs or nutrients you know at at specific times during the day to bring your cortisol levels up or down to put them in the normal range and eventually your adrenals heal and take over that natural rhythm on their own so it's pretty cool to see yeah yeah well um we didn't get to all the questions that we got asked on facebook but we're at an hour so do you have any closing thoughts about carbs neely well, how should people take away from this podcast? What should they take away? I think that they should take away that 
even if Lauren Cordain or somebody who is a paleo in quotes guru tells you that you shouldn't eat fruit, but you feel in your heart that you can eat (laughs) fruit, you should eat that fruit and you should eat all kinds of carbs and watch how your body responds to them. You know, just watch your symptoms, watch your energy level and, and experiment with eating carbs at different times of the day, different kinds of carbs. Um, and you can find a lot more information that I've written at, um, on my blog at paleoplan.com. And yeah, that's about it. What, what, um, what are you working on now? Like, what is your, what are you doing right now with your, your career? Um, yeah, I'm still working really closely for paleo plan as the nutritionist and I write a lot of our content. And recently I put together a a 30 day paleo challenge that's guided by me through, uh, through emails. So people can sign up for that. Um, and there's a Facebook page that goes along with it where people can get their questions answered about paleo challenges and paleo in general. And that's been really fun to watch the feedback come from people who are doing the challenge and seeing like, yes, this is the kind of support that I needed to do this on my own, you know? Um, other than that, we, I mean, we have a bunch of products that I've helped create and, um, we're just trying to get better and better. So tell us about your trip. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently sitting in an RV park at Qualicum Bay on Vancouver <laughs> Island, right next to my van, which, as you said, we uh, converted into a, sort of an RV. And as a rock climber, my husband, my husband's a rock climber too. So we just, since I work from wherever anyway, we just thought we would take the opportunity to go on a year-long road trip and climb wherever we feel like climbing. So it's been really, really liberating and beautiful so far and i'm really excited to keep going (laughs) cool oh that sounds amazing yeah so we're so glad that you were able to take the time to join us and have a great rest of your trip and everybody check out neely's blog over at paleoplan.com and get excited about our upcoming shows we me and mary are going to talk all about She's, I'm going to interview her about how to detox, and we're going to talk about her book, 21 Days to Vitality. And we're, the next show we're going to do is about natural sweeteners. And then we're going to have a paleo chef on to talk about paleo cooking tips. So uh, make sure and follow us at Caitlin. My website is grassfedgirl.com, and on Facebook it's grassfedgirl and maryvancenc.com. And Mary Vance Nutrition Consultant on Facebook. And make sure and leave us a review on iTunes and share with your friends who think that carbs are horrible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, and see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.